Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tom Brand, sitting in for Mike Adams once again today. Mike will be back tomorrow, and you'll want to be sure to tune in as he visits with Orion Samuelson. Orion Samuelson, longtime farm broadcaster at WGN Radio in Chicago, with more than 60 years on the air there. I know you'll enjoy the conversation Mike has with him. Today's lineup, I guess you could call it a smorgasbord of guests today as we visit with Ethan Lane at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about the COVID-19 relief package signed by President Trump. There are several provisions for agriculture, what's included for cattle producers. We'll visit with Ethan about that. Steve Sensky spent 21 years as the Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association, then has been serving as the Deputy Secretary of Agriculture at USDA for the past three. Well, now he's back with the American Soybean Association as their CEO, and he's going to join us later in the broadcast to talk about soybeans and what's ahead for the industry. Well, tenderloin sandwiches, BLTs, Cuban sandwiches, pulled pork, oh, I tell you what, I don't think a person can go bad at all with pork in their palate on their plate. And today I'd like to talk about my favorite sandwich, it's the McRib. Yes, I've been a fan of the McRib since it was introduced in the 80s, and I even have my own rating scale for that sandwich. And uh, of course it has a bit of a cult following, so I guess you could say I'm I'm a McRib cult member. The McRib is, in my mind, the perfect sandwich. So each one of them starts with a 10 on my scale, only receiving some sort of a deduction of points for, well, what I would consider poor presentation, its uh, sauce consistency, onion and pickle placement, temperature, and bun freshness. And as a fan, I've even claimed the title of an official poster guy for the McRib sandwich. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the McRib today here on our broadcast as Neil Hole, Director of Channel Marketing at the National Pork Board, is going to join us and talk about the McRib and what I call saucy goodness. Neil, it's good to have you on board here this morning. Let's talk a little bit about the McRib. What is the background of this wonderful sandwich? Well, Tom, I appreciate you having me on this morning. And, and you mentioned it in the early 80s. The McRib debuted in 1982, which was really on the heels of leg warmers and boom boxes. So and long before the internet. Um, and it's really become a, a, a immediate fandom ever since. You know, the sandwich has gone uh, to become one of McDonald's most iconic menu items. Um, they run it as an LTO, which is a limited time offering. And for a, a sandwich to run 38 consecutive years as an LTO is really unheard of in the quick service industry. And really it's available at restaurants around the world, you know, including United Kingdom, France, Belgium, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, and Hong Kong. And if you want the McRib year round, Germany is lucky enough to enjoy that sandwich year round on their menu. So it's really, this year was a, 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 a mark because it's the first time since 2012 that the McRib was available nationwide. So um, usually it's just a regional offering each year, depending on what part of the country you're in. So, um, it was. It's worth celebrating the McRib in 2020. Absolutely. Well, Abraham Lincoln said that everything that you read on the internet is true, <laughs> and and so as a result of, of of internet, there is probably a lot of misinformation that's out there, including what uh, what all is used for pork. What is utilized for uh, uh, what is utilized uh, for the cut of pork that's that's included in the McRib. Well, Tom, it is 100% meat. It's all pork. It's boneless pork shoulder and, and some 72% trim. So, I mean, it is it is all meat. There's not fillers in there. And, you know, you noted it. And I actually had one for lunch yesterday just to prep for this and uh, probably the sixth <laughs> one I've had since um, it's been on the menu. Um, but it's really taken the Internet by storm. And you mentioned a, a cold following. It really has that. Um, but the good news for producers is it's all pork um, and it's really some bright, and some bright and good news for producers in what's been a relatively difficult year. McDonald's is the number one purchaser of pork, and a lot of that, of course, is because of bacon and because of sausage. But I'm wondering, can you tell there's an impact on the pork market whenever McDonald's steps in and says, we're going to be bringing the McRib back, especially with this latest campaign being a nationwide instead of just a regional uh, um, availability? 
Yeah, there's certainly an impact to the market, Tom. It's difficult to pinpoint just exactly what that impact is because there's so many other factors that play into it from seasonality and whatnot. And that's really why McDonald's didn't announce uh, that they were launching on December 2nd until probably uh, late September, early October, early November. So um, they really keep things like that under wraps because uh, when a when a food service operator of that size comes into the market, I mean it certainly has an impact. So <laughs> they try to play that they try to play that kind of uh, close to the vest. Well, as I said earlier, and, and of course I say that half tongue in cheek, I'm the unofficial poster guy for the McRib, and so lots of times I get asked questions about it. And I think the top question is, why doesn't McDonald's feature this all 12 months of the year? Well, there's a couple things that play into that. One, just the production capacity needed uh, to build up for what the demand on volume would be uh, is a little bit difficult to do. But second, it really is this creation of demand, right? When it's not available, people crave it, people want it. Um, so then when it's available, it, uh, you know, people run uh, to the drive throughs I mean, it, all you have to do is look at drive throughs at McDonald's around the country, and you know, there are cars backed up, and they've done a really nice job with it. You know, the other thing that plays into this is we as consumers are really fatigued. You know, we're living through the pandemic. We're cooking at home. Uh, we've had a contentious election this year. There's been a global pandemic, social unrest. So there's all kinds of things that have played into it and, and really made us feel disconnected and apart from one another. And, you know, McDonald's comes in and offers up the McRib at a time when I, I would argue there was not a better time to offer uh, the McRib nationwide on the menu because, um, it's a bright spot in what's been a, a relatively challenging uh, year for everybody in the country. And this has really been welcome news, the fact that it's it's a nationwide availability, because that hasn't been the case for several years now. That's right. The last time it was available nationwide was 2012. So um, that is really good news for producers. And, you know, it's been a difficult year for pork, especially on, on breakfast menus. You know, as consumers are traveling less, they're at home more, um, there, has, there has been an impact to pork demand at food service. The good news is retail has picked up that demand, and really we've seen pork um, sales surge at retail and really made up for the loss at food service. So um, it's, it's good news all the way around for the industry and, and something that we're really excited about. Well, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed one yesterday. I've had one the last few days, and we'll probably be celebrating again with another McRib before the uh, the week is done in order to call it a, a really good year to cap off 2020. Yeah, and I would just encourage everybody, you know, it, it is a limited time offer. And in conversations with McDonald's, I asked them, you know, how long it would be available on the menu, and it's really while supplies last. So um, there is not a hard stop, but as locations and restaurants run out of McRibs, they will uh, disappear from the menu. And um, there are certainly plans in place for next year. McDonald's is not ready to talk about that. Uh, and we also have to look forward to the 40th anniversary that's coming up in, in two years. That's great. Neil, we appreciate you joining us. Neil Hull is Director of Channel Marketing with the National Pork Board as we talk McRib this morning. We're going to continue to talk about some food on the smorgasbord with Ethan Lane from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association when we continue with Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network after this. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, time for our monthly visit with Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, as we take a look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Kurt, happy holidays. What do the latest numbers tell us? I'll tell you what, we are continuing to see some nice numbers in tractor and combine sales in, in the United States. November saw pretty much an increase across the board. Continue with this trend of 
under 40 horsepower tractors leading the way. But tell you what, we saw some nice improvement in 40 to 100 100 horsepower and 100 plus horsepower tractors as well. So good numbers for November. If you look at the year in total, is that 2020 has been a little bit of a surprise. Uh, we were we were entering into the year thinking that this was going to be uh, you know a flat year, but we've seen you know in the case of under 40 horsepower tractors, we've seen a 20% year over year growth in that market. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners. Broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301. Call now and get your first month free, plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. That's 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I'm Tom Brand, sitting in for Mike Adams here today. Mike's had a couple of days of vacation. We're looking forward to the opportunity to have him back on the air tomorrow. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, he will have Orion Samuelson on as his guest for the uh, for the broadcast. Um, Orion has has been a farm broadcaster for over 60 years on WGN Radio in Chicago, and has actually been a broadcaster for more than 64 years um, total. Um, I think it'll be a great conversation that uh, that you'll enjoy listening to there with Mike and with uh, with Orion coming up on tomorrow's broadcast. And then uh, as, as well tomorrow, um, Steve Bacchus from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is going to be uh, going to be joining uh, the, the broadcast as well. And then we'll hear from um, folks at uh, at uh, the National Farmers Union um, to uh, to, uh, to be, do a bit of a recap as to uh, what's been going on. Um, with them in uh, in the year 2020 and also looking ahead to 2021. In our agriculture news as well this morning, uh, we uh, we look at global grain stocks likely to be about 1.5% higher than last year, reversing the downward trend over the prior few years. Now, despite the rise in global supplies, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is forecasting higher corn, wheat, and barley prices than in the 2019-2020 marketing year. The average corn price is projected at $4 a bushel compared to $3.85 the prior year. The average wheat forecast uh, price about $4.80 a bushel, up from $4.60. And then if you want to look at barley, it's going to be about $4.75 a bushel, up $0.05 a bushel from last year. Feed, food, and export markets for corn are all promising for the year 2021. U.S. corn exports were up 49% this year to uh, uh, 67.3 million metric tons. That is a huge boon to marketers and to growers. On the corn import side, demand by the top seven importers was up 9% this year compared to the decline that we saw last year in 2019. Imports of corn jumped by 71%, which the Capital Press uh, is noting is definitely the telltale of the story. China also played a big role in wheat markets with their imports up 48.7%. Demand for wheat by the five biggest importers was up 5% this year 
compared to a 2% increase that happened in the year 2019. The North American Meat Institute's challenge to California's Prop 12 is once again considered to be unsuccessful. The U.S. Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit rejected the Institute's challenge to the California 2018 ballot initiative that imposes new standards for animal housing. The court decision confirms an initial judgment in October. California voters approved the Prevention of Cruelty to Farm Animal Act with 63% of the vote. The law creates minimum requirements to provide more space for veal calves, breeding pigs, and egg-laying hens. By the year 2020, the law requires farmers to give hens at least one foot of floor space and says farmers have to eliminate cages by the year 2022. Farmers must now give veal calves at least 43 square feet and sows 24 feet of room. Court challenges by the Meat Institute and other groups have centered around the fact that the law applies to out-of-state producers of meat and eggs who want to sell products in the state of California. Both the Federal Department of Justice and 20 states joined the Meat Institute's challenge, arguing that the law will contribute to higher food prices for consumers. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services Department released the 2020 edition of the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. The Hagstrom Report is noting the guidelines will be in place for five years. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue says the theme of the guidelines is to make every bite count. Now, in a news release, the two agencies say they didn't deal with the most controversial recommendations for the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, which was a specific limit of alcoholic beverages for men and added sugar intake. The release says, steeped in scientific evidence, the key recommendations look similar to those of the past and address two topics that garnered much attention throughout the development of the guidelines, added sugars and alcoholic beverages. Tom Stenzel is CEO of United Fresh and says that the reality facing the, really today's reality of facing the COVID-19 pandemic brings greater urgency than ever before. No longer are we just thinking about poor diets leading to long-term chronic disease. Now we see clearly that healthy eating is a critical defense against communicable diseases such as coronavirus. He notes the dietary guidelines mostly repeat what we already know about healthy living. Corn exports are expected to rise, while soybeans are expected to drop. Inspections of corn for export improved week-to-week, while soybean and wheat assessments declined. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says the government inspected over 993,000 metric tons of corn for overseas delivery in the week that ended December the 24th. Now that's up from the 770,000 metric tons assessed during the previous week, and 408,947 tons examined during the same time than in 2019. Soybean inspections dropped about 1.5 million metric tons compared to 2.81 million tons the previous week. That's better than the 991,800 tons that were inspected during the same week of 2019, though. Weed inspections for offshore delivery also dropped, falling to 303,809 metric tons, compared to more than 392,000 tons a prior week. It's also below the 312,316 metric tons that were inspected in 2019 during the same time period. So since the start of the marketing year on September the 1st, the government has inspected 13.7 million metric tons of corn. That's well above the 8.05 million tons assessed during the same time in 2019. Soybean inspections since the 1st of September, 36.5 million metric tons, up from 20.8 million tons examined during the same week last year. Well, there's a five-part mini-series documentary series on raising cattle in America that begins on Sunday, this Sunday, and a new episode will debut every Sunday night in the month of January. It is called A Rare Breed, Legacies of Excellence, and it will launch on the Certified Angus Beef Brand Cattleman Connection YouTube channel. The new segments premiere at 6 o'clock Central Time on Sunday nights. If you're interested, you can, uh, you can follow along um, with uh, the series online, cabcattle.com. Ethan Lane joins us on the phone line. He's Vice President of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And Ethan, we've been talking about the coronavirus um, relief package that, uh, that Congress passed. 
Uh, President Trump had some delays uh, um, with the signature, but that signature is on there. And it does include some things for cattlemen that are in there, including the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, or what are commonly referred to as the the CFAP payments. Uh, Talk a little bit about that this morning. Thanks, Tom. It does include some additional payments for cattle producers uh, under that CFAP program. And there's been a little bit of confusion about that. Uh, Everyone has sort of fallen into a bad habit of calling this CFAP 3. And in fact, it's really not. It's it's probably best described as CFAP 1 Part 3. If you'll recall in that first round package, that, that first CARES Act CFAP program, you had Part 1 payments for producers that sold up to April 15th. Um, and then a second part for inventory on, on those second half of, of, uh, of producers in that first wave. And, and that really was problematic for a lot of our producers that were taking big losses when they sold cattle after April 15th and not getting those larger payments. This goes back and addresses some of that, specifically targeting uh, that window of April 15th to May 15th. So we're trying to make sure we're real clear about what we're talking about here, but it does appropriate another $1.4 billion to those payments for cattle producers specifically. So we were very pleased that they decided to include that in this year-end package. I know that the Ramp Up Act was included as, as part of this omnibus package as well. What is the Ramp Up Act? I know you've been working on it for a while. Great question. Ramp Up Act is one of the a handful of bills, I think there's four in total, uh, dealing with processing capacity issues that we have been working on with Capitol Hill throughout this year and since the beginning of the pandemic. And this one specifically uh, deals with helping these smaller processing facilities that are currently state inspected uh, with the resources they need to, to get up to the federal inspection standard in order to ship across state lines. There are a lot of different ways to approach this problem, um, but what we're hearing from those smaller producers, those smaller packing plants, is that they need the resources to figure out their best route to do that. Uh, each state is a little bit different. You have a few states that are participating in that PIS program, Cooperative Interstate Shipping Program, but many more that, that just haven't found that to be a valuable partnership with FSIS. This provides some $60 million in direct funding for those producers uh, to, to figure out their best, best path to market across state lines and get that inspection standard. It's a huge win for the cattle industry to get this in this year-end package. We were expecting to have to lobby in the next year on it, and we couldn't be more pleased to, to see that across the finish line uh, here, here at the end of the year. Thanks so much for the update, Ethan. Ethan Lane, Vice President of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Our guest here this morning on AOA. Steve Sensky, the Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association, joins us to talk about the state of the soybean industry in just a moment. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Corn and wheat higher, soybeans lower. This is the American Ag Network. I'm Brian Winnikins with this market update. At the Chicago Board of Trade, corn markets moving higher due to the drier than normal South American and Argentinian weather that would lower crop potential there. Now, a drop in the size of the South American crop could raise the final U.S. exports and lower U.S. 2020-2021 carryout. Last week, China may have bought as many as 10 cargoes of U.S. corn. Soybeans mostly lower today. It's another round of profit-taking. 
as the complex exhibits uh, mixed signals heading into the year end. We still have that fundamental support existing, though, with the dry South American weather and strong demand, particularly from China. Wheat markets moving uh, mostly uh, higher today. Spillover uh, support from the corn markets. Uh, Also, the dollar is uh, poised to make a new low, and that is helping to support prices. March corn up two to 468, and new crop up one and a half to 431 and three quarters. January beans back to steady now at 1295.5, and new crop now up three quarters to 1099. Chicago wheat march up 11 and three quarters to 630 and a quarter. September up nine to 623 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat march up nine and a half to 594 and a half. September up eight and three quarters to 603. This is the American Ag Network. Cattle markets mostly lower today, a choppy type of trade today. Some of the markets are moving lower due to profit-taking. Traders also waiting for the results of today's Fed cattle exchange to bring some clarity to the cash markets. Hog markets, though, continue to move mostly higher on the day. Supported by firmer cash and strong retail values, there was also some strong buying support in the pork belly cutout, and that is helping to support contracts. December live cattle down 15 cents to 111.90. January feed cattle down 35 cents to 139.27 February hogs up a dollar 25 to 68.60 I'm Brian Winnikins this is the American Egg Network I can't get my computer to work let me help you with that How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I'm Tom Brand sitting in for Mike Adams. Mike will be back with you on the broadcast tomorrow. I really appreciated the opportunity to be on board with you last week as well as this week. Uh, thanks to, to Mike and the American Ag Network for the opportunity to sit in. I've, uh, I've enjoyed the chance to be back behind the microphone, which is a position I haven't been in for quite some time. And uh, I've enjoyed the, the opportunity to connect with so many different folks uh, across the country. Thanks to everyone who's, uh, who's been guest on the show. Tomorrow on uh, Adams on Agriculture, Orion Samuelson, longtime WGN radio broadcaster, is going to be Mike's guest for the first half of the broadcast, just reflecting on his time that he's been a uh, farm broadcaster, covering events not just across the nation, but literally around the globe. Uh, Orion has been in in, uh, in dozens of country global dozens of countries globally. And I think you'll enjoy that conversation with him. Kent Bacchus from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will talk about trade, and Mike Stans is in with the National Farmers Union as well. Our guest at this time is the uh, Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association, Steve Sinsky. Steve is no stranger to uh, American Soybean Association, having spent 21 years there as their CEO before having the opportunity to serve as Deputy Secretary of Agriculture at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, along with a, a great team there and, uh, and Secretary Produce Cabinet. Uh, he's back at the American Soybean Association. We welcome him here to the broadcast today. Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, good to catch up with you. Great. It's so wonderful to be with you, Tom, and uh, great great to visit with you again. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I know that you are pleased with the passage of the COVID relief package and what it contains for agriculture. Also, that, that omnibus bill. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of things that came through with this package, but, uh, but both the COVID relief and the omnibus bill do contain some provisions for agriculture that's important to soybean producers. Yeah, it cer- certainly does, Tom. And we're we're we were pleased with the agriculture-specific provisions that are included in the bill. I know that there were some probably 
some more controversial things that were included in the omnibus that not everyone's in, in favor of, and, and certainly that would include ASA, but, you know, they get presented as a package. But uh, certainly as part of that total package, there was that COVID relief. And so we were very pleased to see that, you know, it's going to be additional support for crop producers, soybean producers included on that, $20 an acre payments. Uh, there's funding for broadband. There's making sure that there's enough funding to uh, uh, for vaccine distribution, prioritizing uh, the distribution to frontline foods, food industry workers. And that's been a priority and something that ASA has been urging as well to help with that vaccine distribution because we need to make sure that those folks that are out there supplying the inputs, doing the processing, uh, uh, doing the processing of not only our, our grains and products, but also our meat products. And then, uh, you know, the whole supply chain needs to be protected if we're going to, you know, make sure that we're able to provide food uh, for Americans and, and make sure we don't have any supply disruptions. You noted the, the funding that's in there for, for broadband. We know that that uh, has, has been a difference maker for a lot of rural communities across the countryside when they're able to get a, I mean, the connection has been there, but when they're able to get a more solid, reliable, and comparable um, internet speed as their, as their city cousins, um, that, that has been good for, for all of agriculture. Certainly has been, and, and closing that digital divide that exists between urban America and rural America is so important and has been a priority, uh, obviously, uh, of the American Soybean Association. That's something that I worked on a lot, along with Secretary Purdue and the whole team at USDA as well uh, when I was uh, serving there at USDA, is uh, making sure that we can bring Internet you know, reliable uh, broadband internet connections to rural America is so important. It's important for, you know, uh, for agriculture and precision agriculture really depends on fast uh, broadband and internet speeds uh, if we're going to be able to continue to enjoy and more more broadly enjoy the benefits of that. But it's so important as well just for economic opportunity in rural areas, for school, uh, for uh, children learning, and then, of course, for telehealth and telemedicine. So important, and that's uh, really important in rural areas where they may not have specialists um, available, but uh, with uh, proper uh, uh, telemedicine and broadband internet connections, you can bring those specialists to, to serve rural America. I know that your time back at ASA has been brief, uh, really since the beginning of November, so you're a couple of months uh, back in the position here. At the same time, you're you're familiar with ASA, and uh, um, already I've, I've noted you've been out several times giving the, the state of the soybean industry. And what's the message you've been sharing with soybean producers at, at some of these different state meetings? Uh, it has been uh, obviously talking a lot about, uh, you know, while we've been through uh, a lot of turbulent times, particularly on the trade side, and then, of course, because of COVID, um, you know, really, I'm optimistic. I mean, we're seeing that in the markets. Uh, what is what we're seeing there uh, in terms of uh, prices uh, uh, and the demand, uh, we're seeing the benefits of, uh, of the phase one trade agreement with China. Um, and uh, what our messages are uh, really is that we're focusing, and, and this is what we're passing on to the Biden transmission team, uh, transition team as well, um, you know, that ASA is really focused on five key areas. One is on the farm economy. We need to make sure that we have the technologies and innovations. Uh, we need to make sure we have crop uh, crop insurance and the, and, the, and the safety net, and we need to make sure that we have a good COVID response. And all of that is critical for the farm economy. Uh, number two is just trade. We've got to keep the trade, trade with China going and the rest of the world. Uh, all of the problems and the frustrations with China, the theft of intellectual property, the great power competition that exists uh, around the world on the military side, all of that's, that is going to be confronting the incoming Biden 
uh, team. And uh, one of the things that we're saying is, yes, you're going to have to deal with those things, but we got to make sure that we keep uh, trade going because we don't want to uh, upset and, and go back again to uh, the trade retaliation situations. We're also one of the priorities on, um, DC laid out there, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're also working on biodiesel. Uh, you know, we're hopeful uh, there on the biodiesel uh, forefront and renewable fuels. Uh, you know, we we want to see proper implementation of the renewable fuel standard. Um, you know, biodiesel is using about a third of the soybean oil that is produced. Uh, uh, that is crushed here in the United States from crushed from the soybeans. About a third of that oil is going into biodiesel use. And uh, we want to make sure that the renewable fuel standard is, is administered properly, that it's not undermined by small refinery exemptions. Um, and that's something that uh, we're urging, uh, you know, the incoming Biden administration to pay close attention to. And then finally, there's transportation and infrastructure. And then also climate change and sustainability, both big issues that the incoming uh, administration has said they're going to be prioritizing. We're all in favor of a transportation and infrastructure bill. Obviously, we have aging locks and dams. Uh, we have highways that need to be rehabilitated and bridges. And then on sustainability, we just need to make sure that it's done in uh, a proper way that uh, uh, make sure that farmers can can really be the beneficiaries uh, and that we have economic sustainability in addition to environmental and social sustainability. Good uh, five areas that you've outlined there, Steve, and I, I think we can we can probably dive into each one of those even even a little bit deeper. Um, but let's let's go with trade. Um, when it comes to to trade with China, uh, that that has been somewhat of a, of a wobbling wheel, but we have seen some things uh, looks like going to stabilize out for uh, for future trade with China. We certainly have, and um, you know, under the Phase One trade agreement, China, uh, of course, made commitments to remove a number of long-standing market access barriers that ha that were affecting a lot of different commodities: beef, pork, poultry, uh, and uh, many others. And so China has, has uh, carried through on that. Of course, the other big part is that they agreed to make substantial purchases uh, over and above the, uh, the amounts that they purchased in 2017. It was a two-year agreement, and China's been, you know, they haven't met, uh, fully met the marks uh, in terms of the purchases yet, but they also have been purchasing at a very robust pace. And uh, we're seeing that, of course, once again in the markets. And, uh, you know, the demand that we're seeing in China is substantial, and we just want to keep that going. Steve Sinsky is the CEO of the American Soybean Association, our guest here on this segment of Adams on Agriculture. Um, Steve, surely the quality of United States soybeans has also been a factor here with, with the trade with China. They, they realize that uh, they've, they've suffered some by going with, with other trading partners. That's right. I mean, we, we think that we have, uh, obviously, the, the, the highest quality soybeans uh, in the world. Um, you take a look at our total, total uh, amino acid profile and content, uh, the coloring that, that we have resulting from U.S. soybeans that are used. And so, again, we think that, you know, it makes sense for China to be purchasing U.S. soybeans. Steve Sensky, Chief Executive Officer of American Soybean Association. We're going to continue our discussion with him as Adams on Agriculture AOA continues on this Wednesday morning. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor 
restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and, if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Clay Bertram is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He's Federation Division Vice Chair. Clay, uh, we look at, at 2020, and this is uh, a year that uh, we know will have an asterisk in it for a lot of uh, years to come in the history books. But boy, the work has continued with uh, promoting beef. Yeah, Tom, the uh, the impact of the pandemic has been very uh, transformative in every corner of our economy. Uh, whether that be from beef to online shopping. The good news is that the consumers are choosing beef more often as they adapt more to cooking at home. Uh, You know, Tom, uh, we've seen the increase uh, of 67% to 72% uh, as it compares to 2019 uh, with positive perceptions of beef. We've reached 70% for the first time. So it's uh, really a dynamic change as we've seen consumers choosing beef more often. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Tom Brand sitting in for Mike Adams on this Wednesday, and Steve Sinski, the Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association, is our guest for this segment, and we uh, welcome him back to the uh, to the broadcast at this time. Steve, we're outlining some of the, the, the five priorities for the American Soybean Association. I know that transportation infrastructure are, are amongst those five. Um, with with Mayor Pete, um, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, um, being the uh, the transportation secretary um, nominee, or the, at least the person that's in play for that under the Biden administration, is that a good thing for agriculture? Knowing that he's familiar with with the Midwest and and some of the challenges that are out there for locks and dams, as well as even highway infrastructure. We certainly hope so. We hope that's the case, Tom, because. Uh, you know, he does come from the Midwest, as you noted, and, and I think uh, ho- hopefully has a better appreciation uh, for, again, the role of, uh, you know, an efficient transportation structure uh, in order to get, you know, products uh, moved from, from the heartland out to uh, the population centers and vice versa uh, from the coast into the heartland. Uh, we do need, of course, uh, you know, our lock and dam system is in is needs uh, rehabilitation. Um, the current highway bill uh, expires this year, and so we look for Congress and the administration to be working on a major highway bill. And of course, uh, the uh, the Biden administration, uh, Pre- President Elect Biden, has identified that working on infrastructure uh, is going to be one of his priorities. Um, and it was actually, uh, as you said, Mayor Pete, who had a pretty detailed uh, uh, infrastructure proposals when he was running as a candidate uh, for the Democratic nomination. And so it is something that he's paid attention to. And certainly we're very hopeful that that means uh, that he'll be uh, prioritizing those kinds of investments. We'll have a lot of work to do to work with both Congress and the administration uh, to make sure that rural America isn't forgotten in that. And that's always one of our one of the fears uh, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the priorities of the American Soybean Association is to make sure that rural uh, needs are taken care of. With both biodiesel and climate amongst those those five priorities of, of ASA, um, the the two fit together. Um, biodiesel um, is is a great solution to to help out with uh, with with climate. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, you know, it is an an advanced renewable fuel that's available right now. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, of course, been a lot of talk about you know electric vehicles in the future. Uh, how can we have an impact uh, on the on the climate, a positive impact on the climate, reduce our reliance on fossil fuels? Well, we have a clean burning renewable resource right now that has a much better greenhouse gas profile than petroleum diesel, and that's called biodiesel. Um, and uh, you know, right now we have about uh, three billion gallons worth of capacity uh, nationwide for biodiesel. But I know the biodiesel industry is, you know, looking to expand, and they think that they have the potential to significantly expand that. And again, our message to the incoming administration is, yes, you can look toward these other fuels of the future, uh, but if you want to make a difference right now, um, you have something available to you. You just have to make sure you have the right policies in place. Let's talk about uh, the the future and, and, and working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Tom Vilsack coming back into USDA is uh, is actually been welcome news, I think, by the by the agriculture community. I think that's right, and certainly we at the American Soybean Association were were pleased to see uh, you know the intent to, to nominate him and his his selection. Uh, it means that he is able to hit the ground running. Uh, you know, he served for eight years and, um, you know, served uh, very ably and capably and, and uh, did a good job as secretary. And he will be able to hit the ground running. He knows how the programs work at USDA. He knows the levers uh, to push and to pull uh at USDA to make things happen. And so I think that really means you know, he, it's, you're going to have a very effective and high-functioning USDA right from the get-go. He knows the importance of uh, 
innovation and biotechnology. Uh, he was a supporter of that as both uh, Iowa governor and then as secretary. And so I think that's good news for agriculture. He also knows the importance of trade and that uh, we don't want to get into uh, tr- you know trade retaliation um, and uh, that we need to keep our exports going. Um, and so I think that that serves well. And then, of course, I think, you know, one of the considerations probably that the incoming Biden administration had is putting a big emphasis on sustainability uh, and climate. And again, uh, he's been a strong proponent of uh, conservation programs. Well, and, and I think that he inherits a, a USDA that, that's that's been in great shape, and 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 uh, with both his his tenure of experience as well as the the foundation work that's been laid there, um, that that will be good to see. You have uh, I, I don't want to discount the fact you've you've had experience with ASA as well as with Foreign Ag Service, but those three years serving as deputy, Steve, does that bring you some some different perspective returning back to ASA now and and seeing some other opportunities for soybean producers? It certainly does. I mean, it was uh, just such an honor to serve America's farmers and ranchers uh, in the position as Deputy Secretary of Agriculture. Of course, uh, uh, at, at, uh, had worked in, at USDA previously, uh, back in the Reagan and George W. Bush administrations, worked as, as you noted, uh, head of the Foreign Agricultural Service. Uh, but as Deputy Secretary, I really saw just the the whole vastness of USDA and how it touches everybody uh, and got much more insight into the research areas, of course, food safety, uh, marketing and regulatory programs. Uh, uh, of course, we have the Forest Service uh, there as part of part of that uh, of USDA as well. But I think it just brings a deeper understanding of how USDA operates, how decisions are made. Um, and uh, just how vast it is in touching people's lives. And that creates opportunities on how ASA can work and, and partner with USDA to make positive things happen. Thank you very much, Steve. We appreciate the time and, and opportunity to join us here today. Steve Sensky, Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association, our guest in this final segment with the American um, Ag Network and AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today.